T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is the Friday edition of the Best of the Joe Show, where weeknights from 6 to 7, we replay back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day. Yes, the weekend. Have some fun this weekend stalking us on Twitter at 560WQAM and at Dan Day Radio. Let's get to the headlines. Last night in preseason game one, the Dolphins defeated the Falcons 34-27. Ryan Fitzpatrick went two for five with 20 yards, while Josh Rosen was 13 for 20 with 191 yards and an interception. Next up for Miami, the Bucks in Tampa one week from today. The Marlins ended their six-game losing streak last night, defeating the Braves 9-2. The two play again tonight here in Miami. First pitch is set for 7-10. The Dwayne Wade retirement bobblehead has been released. The bobblehead features the Heat greats standing on a gold basketball net holding a NBA championship and finals trophy with two additional NBA championship trophies at its base. The memorabilia will cost you $50 and is available now at the National Bobblehead Hall of Fame and Museum's online store. Tiger Woods has withdrawn from the Northern Trust. He shot a first-round 75, but had to pull out before the second round due to an oblique strain. Woods is scheduled to compete in next week's BMW Championship. Now on to weather, brought to you by Hylia Park. Tonight's forecast calls for more thunderstorms with temperatures around 90. Visit HyliaPark.com for all your needs. Every Saturday, you can win your share of $10,000 in giveaways, drawings all day long, and it's free to enter. One more time, that's visit HyliaPark.com for more details. Danny McBride, that dude is comedic gold. Whether he's in Eastbound and Down, Vice Principals, I even loved him when he played that wheelchair guy in Due Date with Robert Downey Jr. and Zach Galifianakis. You know it's going to be crazy when he teams up with the guys from the Dan Lebitard Show, which you can hear here on 560 The Joe Weekdays, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Yesterday, he joined the crew. They talked Angry Birds 2, Vice Principals, Bill Hader, not being a hater, and kicking it with Kanye. Enjoy. This is a replay from the Dan Levitard Show with Danny McBride, 560 The Joe. This dude here is an action hero to me because he's willing to risk something. It's not just that he's an everyman, Stugatz. He's willing to risk something here that not a lot of people are willing to risk, which is you might think the humor is dumb, and in not getting it, you're simply not highbrow enough because <laughs> he is doing smart humor, but he's doing it as Kenny Powers. Uh, and and so I imagine, I just imagine this ending up on the laps of executives and them just not wanting that because they don't think he can pull it off. So Danny McBride joins us now, and I don't know what I want to, I'm such a fan of his work, so much, so creative. I don't know whether I like the, the explosives guy on Tropic Thunder more than I like the vice principal, whatever. Like, I just about anything this dude makes, I'm willing to watch. Uh, Danny, thank you for being on with us. Uh, Angry Birds movie two is in theaters next yes. tuesday um and thank you for being on with us when you submitted kenny powers that couldn't have been met mm-hmm. with applause right the executives had to fight you on this oath being kind of uh 
not capable of carrying a TV show, right? Or am I wrong? Well, you know what? We were pretty lucky because we went in to pitch that show with Will Ferrell and Adam McKay the Monday after Talladega Nights had premiered and was number one at the box office. So we, we went into every network, even uh, your main networks, your, your uh, regular television networks, and everybody made an offer except for Comedy Central. I think we were too lowbrow for Comedy Central, but everybody else wanted a piece. <laughs> <laughs> and so and then I think they I think I think they didn't realize what they bought because then it's like we were off doing our thing uh we obviously were with HBO and then it was like a few weeks from wrapping up the shoot I think they first started watching what we were shooting down there and it was like wait a second what have we let these guys go off and do what No tell me this? well tell me about that that's the part I'm curious about you guys had something really dangerous and edgy there they win the bidding war and now you're doing it and it's received how? There's no way those first few shows they thought that that character was going to play, is there? No way. They didn't They didn't at all. You know, there was a uh, shakeup with the leadership at HBO at that point, too. So who had bought our show was no longer there by the time it, it, uh, it was time for our show to air. So I think there was just a disconnect. And I think we had our, like, very powerful big brothers, McKay and Farrell, in there kind of keeping everybody off our backs long enough. But then I think once they saw it, they were like, this guy is a total jerk. We need to, uh, like, we need to have ways to sympathize with him. And that was just our whole fight was that, like, look, that will come in time. This show will be boring if we show that this guy is a heart of gold from episode one. Like, this needs to be, you, you have to uh, evolve. Your opinion of Kenny has to evolve over time. And that's what we wanted to kind of go up against. And they listened to that and then still didn't really believe that that would happen. And uh, <laughs> so they basically just told us that if we wanted to, uh, if we weren't going to listen to their notes and make it more likable, that they wouldn't really go out of their way to market the show. And it would kind of just come out. And we were like, well, you know, I've never really seen ads for HBO, like billboards for HBO shows in Virginia where I'm from. It's like, who cares? If there's not billboards in New York or L.A. Uh, it's on HBO. People will still find it. So we stuck to our guns, and then we were lucky that the you know it came out and people liked it. And then you know Casey Boys, who was our executive at the time, who was a big supporter of the show, uh, and he was just getting his start then. Uh, he is now runs HBO, so it's been a a, a beautiful uh, partnership with him. Danny McBride with us on ESPN Radio. The Angry Birds movie two is in theaters next Tuesday. He is the voice of Bomb. Uh, Danny, can you just tell me what was happening in your life? Where were you emotionally and everywhere else when you were working in Burbank at the Crocodile Cafe? <laughs> I was, uh, you've done your research. I was a young man <laughs> who had just moved to Los Angeles from film school, expecting the town to welcome me with open arms, and instead I got a job waiting tables and busing tables at uh, the Crocodile Cafe in Burbank. It was, it was a wonderful time in my life. How did it end? Uh, with my girlfriend dumping me at the time and me crying in my boss's arms and then leaving the restaurant and never returning. <laughs> you had the last laugh, though, huh? Uh, you, you did kind of get the last laugh on the, crack, on the Crocodile Cafe. Um, where did you think your life was going? Like, what was the, what was the big break? Uh, you know, I, I came out to Los Angeles not even to act. I came out there just to really write, and I was hoping to direct. And uh, so I just wrote all the time. And, you know, the idea that an acting career is what sort of launched things for me was like nothing I was trying to do. I wasn't going out auditioning for things. I never had a headshot. I, I never was imagining that that was like a real 
like avenue of a career for me. Um, I just, you know, went to film school in North Carolina, so I would act in movies with my buddies, and, you know, we would just do it because we didn't know actors. And, you know, Jody Hill, who I've created Eastbound with and Vice Principals with, he, uh, yeah, he wanted to make this independent film in North Carolina, and he asked me to be in it. And, uh, yeah, I don't know why he thought I would be capable of doing it, but uh, that, that kind of launched us. So that was the foot fist way, and that's how we met Will and Adam. Which of your projects is the one that you're proudest when people come up to you that you are most invigorated talking about when you're like slicing up what the comedy is and where and how you're proud of it? Do you have one of the the shows or efforts that you've made that you're most you you find most fun to talk about a fan with? You know, I mean, obviously, like, I, I love everything I've been able to be involved with, even ones that, even movies that didn't work at the box office, like, there's always, it's always something fun, and even that's its own weird ride, when, like, you're on something that's going to tank and people hate it. That in itself, if you're someone who loves cringe comedy, it's very nice to, like, experience that firsthand of the awkwardness of promoting a movie that no one cares about. <laughs> I've been in there a few times, and, uh... So, I mean, I guess anything I like, uh, but I mean, obviously the stuff that we, that I write and create with my friends, uh, that stuff obviously means a lot more to me just because we create it and birth these characters. And so whenever you find out it resonates with people, it's always good. I mean, I guess stuff like Eastbound is, uh, it's always like funny to meet all the different types of people that respond to that show. There's no like, you know, singular characteristic of an Eastbound fan too. I'm always like totally surprised by the people who watch that show and, I could be at an airport and meet like a grandmother who says she watches it with her grandkids or, you know, a 10 year old boy. And I'm just like, this kid is watching Eastbound and Down. It's all over the place. How much of that show was uh, ad libbed? Because I imagine, you know, I just imagine the Ashley Schaefer stuff being ad libbed. Yeah, you know, we, we, we work really, really hard on the scripts. We work really hard on them just to get the story right and get the characters right and even just to make sure that we're we have the right people in the right scene talking about the right stuff to like allow the improv to happen. So we'll, you know, we'll usually get what we wrote and then we'll just open it up and let people just riff. And uh, yeah, I mean, stuff like that, you know, you have Will Ferrell on the set or Craig Robinson and, you know, you, you'll write stuff that you can't wait to hear them say, but then instantly, as soon as they open their mouth, they just can blow away anything that a room of writers would have come up with, you know, in the moment. Um, and it's just fun. That's like one of the things that's so much fun about working on comedies is coming to work and not knowing where the laughs are going to come from that day. The Angry Birds movie, too, is in theaters next Tuesday. He is the voice of Bomb, Danny McBride, with us on ESPN Radio. And we'll ask you about that movie in just a second here. Did I read correctly that Kanye West flew to your house to pitch a project to you? That is true, yes. All right, tell, <laughs> tell us that story, man. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, 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 it's pretty basic. He just, you know, he, uh, yeah, he just reached out because he uh, was a fan of Eastbound and Vice Principals, and, you know, he was, like, trying to figure out an angle on if he wanted to do some sort of, like, bio story of himself, and he liked the idea of me playing him with this, with this early idea for it. So That is awesome. That is be, awesome. <laughs> Please tell me you said yes to whatever he wants to do with that. <laughs> I would do whatever he would want to do with it. He's a busy man, and I'm not sure if he'll have time for it, but I would do it in a heartbeat. And it was just awesome to be able to meet Kanye and hang out with him. I mean, he's such a he's such a prolific artist, and uh, and just so unique. It was awesome. But how does he how does he pitch with him? How does he pitch the idea? First of all, I want to hear what that day was like. But also, how is he pitching you you the idea of 
I want you to play me because you're physically and in every way not me. <laughs> I think he was responding to the spirit of the characters that I play, that there might be some similarity there to, like, energy that he has. And so I think it was more of, like, uh, you know, he's a smart dude. So I think it has it had to do with more of, like, an energy that uh, that he thought I might be capable of bringing to things. He's also an unusual dude. So what are you guys, when you're hanging out, what are, you, are you talking about the, the Kardashian life, or are you talking about art? <laughs> Man, he, honestly, he was uh, he was very kind, very easy to get along with. I mean, it was just, honestly, it was such a, a fun afternoon, and it was so normal that it was almost surreal, you know, that it was like, God, oh, this is crazy. This is just hanging out with Kanye and just talking to him about whatever, but watching my son play Fortnite, it was... Uh, yeah, it was totally normal, and, and I liked him. I, when he left, I missed him. I was like, I wish Kanye would come over every day. <laughs> how, uh, how did you uh, – Bill Murray, is? it's famously hard to get him to do stuff. He's got like a 1-800 number. You have to leave a message for him. I don't know if he's got an agent or not. How did it come to be that you secured uh, Bill Murray in vice principal? You know, it, 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 it we, it was luck, really. You know, I was, uh, I met him on the set of this movie, Aloha, that we shot in, uh, in Hawaii. And I've been a lifelong fan of his. And so I was just geeked out to meet him and get to know him. And, uh, yeah, and then he asked me to be in this other movie he did, Rock to Casbah. So I just got to know him a little bit more. And then, uh, you know, he actually lives down in Charleston where we shot Vice Principals. And so, uh, you know, once we got down here to shoot the show, we just, uh, you know, when we had to find who could be the principal, we we're like, well, I know one actor who lives here. And so we, we just tried to get a hold of him and, convince him to do it more importantly how do you secure nick nolte to go snorkeling <laughs> we had a lot of downtime on tropic thunder <laughs> uh angry birds movie two is in theaters next tuesday he's the voice of bomb so how does this work do you end up in a room with bill Hader and dinklage or are you just in a lonely booth somewhere doing the voice of a character working on your own uh, I, I end up in it's it's the lonely version of it. Yes, I wish I could be in a booth with Gad and Bill Hader, but uh, no, you do these things kind of independently, uh, which is kind of exciting in its own way because you're doing your part, and then when you see the movie, it is truly a brand new experience because you have no idea what is going to happen in the rest of the film, and so it is fun to kind of watch that and see what you've done. And I have two kids. I have a seven-year-old son uh, and a four-year-old daughter. And so when you do these kind of movies, you get, like, swag. They make, like, you know, stuffed animals of your characters, and that stuff goes over huge in my house. So, like, that's those are the main decisions of what goes into taking one of these lonely voice acting jobs. Well, Danny, How much swag you can get yeah, your kids. I mean, but, Danny, if I'd come up to you at the Crocodile Cafe and said, hey, wait till you see the Angry Birds money for just doing a voice, <laughs> like – like, uh, wait, wait until you see the money you're going to make for the, these Angry Birds checks have to be crazy. Right. Danny. But he could also pay for those things for his kids. I mean, had he played by right, you, I'm proud of you. just getting them for free. It yeah. does feel like you could just you go know, buy one. That. I could have just bought them this stuff. <laughs> uh, again, Angry Birds movie two in theaters next Tuesday. Before we get out of here with you, uh, are you boys with Hater in a way that you've got any good stories for us on how unusual he is? Uh, you know, he is such a good dude. Hater was on, like, the first movie that I did for a paycheck, which was Hot Rod. That's where I met uh, Bill Hader. And uh, and it turned out that before Bill broke, he uh, he and I had actually worked at the same, like, post-production house in Los Angeles. Like, I had quit uh, and moved home, and Bill had heard stories of me there. And then he went off to uh, 
to do SNL, and then our paths crossed again. So we actually worked the same post-production house, and then randomly were ended up like friends and cast in Tropic Thunder and Hot Rod and Pineapple Express. And uh, yeah, he's a good dude. I'm 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 stoked about everything he's doing now. I love his show, Barry. Put us put us in a limousine with uh, Kenny Powers and Bill Hader. <laughs> it would be wild. It'd be it'd be, it'd be very uncomfortable for your for your listeners. They told me before I got on here, I'm not allowed to curse, so that takes away a lot of my abilities to <laughs> effectively describe the evening. It's like your superpower, <laughs> uh, Danny. Thank you for being on with us. We appreciate it. Angry Birds movie two is in theaters next Tuesday. He voices Bomb. Uh, big fan of your work. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me on. I hope you enjoy the film. Talk to you guys. Bye-bye. Usually wouldn't see Angry Birds 1, much less the sequel, but since Danny McBride's going to be in it, I will. One day, probably on a stream service. If you're anything like me, you don't like getting up early, but luckily our Joe Rose does. Earlier he was up, full of coffee, and talking with ProFootballTalk.com's Mike Florio about last night's Dolphins preseason game and some other cool things. Keep it tuned to hear the interview. It is next here on the Best of the Joe Show. This is the Best of the Joe Show. On this day in 1963, Whitney Houston was born, unfortunately passed away in 2012. Love Whitney Houston. She was a hot mess, and I love hot messes. Also, probably did the greatest rendition of the national anthem before a Super Bowl ever still gives me chills. And speaking of that, are you ready for some football? That is right. The Dolphins had their first preseason game last night. So this morning, the team, Joe Rose, Zach Krantz, called up ProFootballTalk.com's Mike Florio to talk about the game, the Kenny Stills situation, Aaron Rodgers doing whatever the heck he wants, and everybody's favorite topic this time of the season, quarterback musical chairs profootballtalk.com's own mike florio joins us every friday here good morning mike how are you hey doing great how are you guys today man we're doing great we got a little bit of everything we got stuff uh on the field we got stuff off the field with a player and an owner we got a little bit of uh of everything going on down here with the new coaching staff and uh, and the whole works by the way what would you think of the whole thing um I'm just curious, Mike, if you take a look and follow the stuff between owner and wide receiver. Well, look, I think there's some great points that were made by Kenny Stills, and I was stunned that all of a sudden an NFL owner is being criticized for his support of Donald Trump. A bunch of them have been supporting Donald Trump. Several of them gave a million dollars to his inauguration committee. I mean, this isn't a secret that NFL owners support Donald Trump, but the fundraiser kind of pushed it all over the edge for Stephen Ross. It got Kenny Stills to speak out. A lot of customers of SoulCycle and Equinox upset by this, and it's been an ugly couple of days for Stephen Ross, and I think he was probably caught flat-footed because at some point he's thinking, I've been doing this for two years, yeah, and I wonder who's next. Is Robert Kraft, Jerry Jones, Daniel Snyder? Are other owners going to find themselves criticized by players, criticized by outsiders for supporting Donald Trump? And the hardest thing to reconcile really is the Rise Foundation, the nonprofit that supports social justice and equality in sports. How do you reconcile that with some of the comments that have been made by the president in recent uh, days and weeks and the criticism that's, that's flowed from that? That's the point Kenny Stills made. And, uh, you know, I, I admire him for being willing to say what he believes, even though it's directed at the guy who signs his paychecks. Are you surprised Kenny came out on social media and did that 
and, and not to the, maybe not in a private forum, but maybe just to the media. Like he came out and let the world know what he thinks about his owner. Is that surprising? No, it's not surprising because I don't think what he said was out of line. Now, look, ideally, if you've got a concern like that with someone, you raise it internally. I've been making a big deal about Aaron Rodgers' complaints about joint practices in in Green Bay, and that I think he should have handled that stuff internally and privately. But for something like this that is so inherently public, the Rise Foundation is public, the support of Donald Trump is public, it's out there, it's in the open, and it has nothing to do with the football operation. Um, you know, And that's the thing, you know, the, the stick to sports is not a selective mandate. It, it can't get applied to some and not others. But for some, they just do what they do, and everybody just says, okay, and then if you push back, oh, it's stick to sports, and I think what happens is people pull politics into sports, and then how can they expect people not to have opinions right. on the intersection between sports and politics? Hey, uh, speaking of the Aaron Rodgers thing, my God, man. First, it's uh, he wants more control calling plays and being able to audible. Then he comes out and, and the coach says, man, we love this work with other teams. And Aaron says, this thing's ridiculous, especially on special teams. Man, we need to talk to the union <laughs> on this one. And I'm thinking – this, uh, I, I guess Aaron's come out and said, no, we're working through some things and stuff and we're on the same page. But, boy, it doesn't look like it on the outside, does it? Here's the bottom line. With any sports team, with any organization, any business, anything where you have a manager and there is an issue, you take it to the manager privately. You don't take it public. And if Matt LaFleur is being honest, he's going to say, I'm frustrated that he didn't just bring this to me because it makes him look bad. When Aaron right. Rodgers says it's not very smart to do these drills, he's saying my head coach did something that's <laughs> right. not very smart. Right. Right? And, and I, Chris Simpson and I have been arguing about it because he's so in the tank for Aaron Rodgers that he's, he's incapable of being objective about it, and I love him for that. And he'll say that I'm so out to get Aaron Rodgers that I can't be objective, and maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle. But I ultimately said to Chris, look, this guy's either Michael Scott, and he has no self-awareness, <laughs> of the connection between the things he says and how people will view them, or he's doing it all deliberately and intentionally to remind everyone in Green Bay who's in charge. Either way, it's not a good look. So who wins that, that battle when it comes down to it? Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is going to win that battle, right? Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. That's it. There, there, there are people in the league who think that this is Aaron Rodgers' middle finger to CEO Mark Murphy for hiring Matt LaFleur without consulting him. That basically, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and there's nothing you can do about it. I'm going to change the play at the line of scrimmage. What are you going to do about it? Bench me for Deshaun Kaiser? So, I, and, and look, here, here's the bottom line. The moment his skills begin to slip, that's the moment they move on from him. But they were going to do that anyway. They may be happier about it, but uh, you know, I, I have a feeling that Aaron Rodgers is going to be the next great quarterback who ends up ending his career somewhere else unless he just decides when Green Bay is done with him that he's done with football. Yeah, I think he'd be crushed if, uh, if they – so all of a sudden told him he's going somewhere else and they traded him. Hey, I want to ask you about this uh, Hard Knocks, the Raiders, and now this Antonio Brown story uh, with, the, with the foot and the fr- frostbite and, and everything else. What would you take out of it and what would you think of the first episode? Well, I thought the first episode was boring, frankly. I thought the funniest moment was when Antonio Brown's young son says, where's Roethlisberger? <laughs> right. I thought that was great. But, um, you know, it, it was so bizarre. If I try to put myself in the perspective of someone who doesn't know anything about football, doesn't know anything about the Raiders, and I turn it on and I watch Hard Knocks, and they're talking over and over again about Antonio Brown's feet and how he can run, but he can't run too hard. And is this, they never tell you what's wrong with his feet. And, and even now that it's out of the bag that he, he was in a cryotherapy chamber without the proper footwear and he, and he got frostbite on his feet, 
the uh, the Raiders still won't talk about it. And I think they're so determined to make him not look stupid and in turn make themselves not look stupid for bringing him in that they're just not going to talk about it because fundamentally this was an avoidable situation. It was dumb for Antonio Brown to do what he did. And, and it's, you know, for, for as much as they try to downplay it, it sounds like it's pretty serious. Like, oh, he's day-to-day, he's day-to-day. Well, a lot of days have gone by, and there's still no sign of Antonio Brown. When do you think the people in Nashville are going to get bamboozled by Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota is going to be out as their quarterback? <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing. Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill have one thing in common. They're both injury-prone. And so I, I think you just play the healthy guy. You, play, you know, you play Mariota until he gets injured. Then you play Tannehill until he gets injured. Then you put Mariota in until he gets injured. <laughs> Maybe that's the right approach. You get two guys who get injured all the time, so you just let one play until the other one's injured, and you hope the other one's recovered from his last injury when the first one gets injured. Hey, by the way, that, that stuff with Peter King on his phone, that was hilarious. That was unbelievable. I don't know what state. What state was he in, by the way? There's a lot of states that – they can't talk on the phone while you're driving, and, and others, it's okay. What, do you know where he was? I, I don't know where he was, and uh, I, I, but bottom line is, yeah, he got busted. He got pulled over, <laughs> and uh, that was that. <laughs> Craziness. Just, can't do it in the state of Florida either anymore at this point. All right, so what did you think down here? Uh, I mean, I know we had a lot of quarterbacks kind of debuting and everything last night, but we got a little bit of a quarterback battle going down here between Josh Rosen and Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't know if you got to see any of the Rosen stuff from last night. Uh, the gunslinger mentality Brian Flores wants uh, in this whole uh, quarterback battle down here. What did you see or what did you hear about last night? Yeah, I mean, I just like the idea that uh, I like the idea that they're they're having a competition. And that uh, you know we're, we're seeing uh, we're seeing where it all goes from here, and you know Josh Rosen has played behind the uh, you know not a good offensive line in Arizona, and uh, we'll see what he does if he gets some protection in Miami. I mean, I still I still think he's going to end up winning that competition, just because of what we've seen from Ryan Fitzpatrick over the years. When we don't expect much from him, he plays well. When uh, we expect something from him, he doesn't play well, and it's just a matter of time until Josh Rosen gets his opportunity. Hey, Mike, how quickly, if uh, Daniel Jones keeps this going, because everybody's been raving today about the way he played. I know it wasn't a lot, but uh, what he was able to do. What would be the timetable where the Eli Manning thing's over and Daniel Jones comes in and plays? What do you think happens there with New York well, Times? You know, there's no competition until there is a competition, and Daniel Jones has won it. And I think what they're doing is everything they can to um, prop him up quietly. Right, they don't want him to fail. They don't want to have a competition that he loses. They're doing this in a very deliberate way, and I think all of a sudden he's going to be the starter. And it could be week one, it could be week four. I think there's a risk of using Eli Manning and having the team play well. And if that offense runs through Saquon Barkley, they could be better than expected. Then when do you flip the switch? I think that they're just get Daniel Jones ready. I think they want to create a sense of anticipation in my in, in New York that that they want him. You know, it makes the transition easier if the fan base is ready for him yep. instead of it happening abruptly. Yep. I, I think that the key is they they do have a plan. They're not going to tell us, and I think the plan is playing out so far exactly the way that they want it to because people are going to start to say we want Daniel Jones, and that's far different from two years ago when they abruptly benched Eli Manning. Uh, any updates? Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon asking for my fantasy football team. Yeah, no, nope, still no, still no updates. Holdouts continue. Ezekiel Elliott's got far more leverage than Melvin Gordon, and uh, you know I'd, I'd like to think that they'll get something worked out between the Cowboys and Elliott. But 
you know, two weeks in, no sign of anything yet. Mike, thank you, buddy. We appreciate you coming on here in the after first week right, of preseason. Guys. Thank you. All right, have a great weekend. All right, Mike, Mike Florio. Joe Rose played for the Dolphins. Mike Florio works for ProFootballTalk.com. And Zach Krantz knows a lot about sports. You can listen to the Joe Rose Show weekdays 6 to 10 a.m. right here on this station and online at WQAM.com. Stephen A. Smith still on vacation this week, so next segment, going to take it back to the Dan Lebitard Show and give you an authentic taste of MIA sports here on the Best of the Joe Show. It's the best of the Joe show where we play back some of the best audio you've heard over the past 24 hours on this radio station 560 the Joe the Dan Levitard show it is a national show but it is based here in Miami and they give you a local hour every single day earlier today they teamed up with George Sedano to talk about the good and bad Josh Rosen do the Dolphins have a Willie Mays Hayes on the team is Tate Martell the next Baker Mayfield and they're feeling the heat. And there was a Dolphin game last night, and we saw good Josh Rosen and bad Josh Rosen. George, after you touched down, were you able to watch any of the Dolphin game? I was. I was able to watch it. And uh, Matt Moore's gotten a lot more handsome, hasn't he? <laughs> he has gotten a lot more handsome. I, I almost feel bad for Jason Taylor. Like, Jason Taylor was really good and polished yesterday, and the guys around him just weren't. Let's Dude, just leave Dick, it at that. Dick Sockton's up there. Um, They just weren't. I, Greasy was the one that I was like, oof. Like there was a time where they were tossing a halftime, yeah. and Greasy was just like talking to somebody else, right, into the microphone. Yeah, it, he was just rambling, babbling, like, "Yeah, no, I'll be right there." The and, the Greasy stuff was tough to watch. I mean, Dick, you could understand because at least during the regular season, Stockton, you could tell, is ready to roll. Preseason is tough, man. There's a guy wearing number four out there, you know, playing linebacker. Like, yeah. get out of here, you know. Like, I, I I'm not. I'm going to give Stockton a bit of a break. I was 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 referring to Greasy. Um, I just feel like to get really footbally on you. It's going to be really ridiculous to try to, like, just try to figure out if Josh Rosen is any good based on how awful this offensive line is. Yeah, that offensive line was bad. Now, I will say on his interception, that was just a poor decision. Yeah, that was by, terrible. By Josh yeah. Rosen. And that was something that we heard uh, in uh, the spring mini camps, which was even when the protection was good, he'd do some puzzling things. But I thought he showed some good things. You just reminded me, because uh, he threw some good balls to Preston Williams, and uh, Bob Greasy at halftime kept referring to him as Preston Wilson, oh, yeah. former baseball player. Yes, You can imagine with Bob Greasy's history as a Marlins legend right. that he would confuse the two. I was like, okay. Uh, That's pretty cool, though, that Preston Williams. That guy was undrafted, and now they're, there's reports that he's com- going to be competing with Devontae Parker for potential first dude, team reps. He's huge. He's 6'5". Yeah. I was like, where this? how did this guy go undrafted? Yeah, there's all sorts of. There was a dude that uh, returned to kick for the Browns last night. That was pretty cool. That was super cool. This guy runs a four three, but he went to a super small college and he slept outside the Browns facility and he lied about his uh, bona fides, Alonzo Highsmith, to get a tryout, even a tryout with the team. It's like Willie Mays Hayes in Major yeah, League. Yeah, basically, yeah. that's exactly what that story is. You're uh, so right, though. The te- this team is actually not that terrible on the skill position. Like positions, it's the the lines, man. Defensive, they have they get nope. They have like who are their pass rushers? Yeah, yeah, I don't think uh, they have. Dwayne Hendricks had two sacks last night, but that's like I don't even know who that is. Calvin Harris? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, was his name Charles Harris? Uh, Calvin Harris would be something. He would be great. Yeah, actually. he's yeah. moonlight. Great spin, yeah. great spin move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> DJ jokes. So, what do you make of this? Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, we didn't see much of him. He did flash some athletic ability. I I like that rollout. I think he threw a nice first down to Devontae Parker. But I, 
I didn't see anything last night, nor did I expect to, that would make me change my position on what I anticipate from the Dolphins this season. So, Chris Cody, you're a Dolphins fan. What does it make you feel like when Ryan Tannehill gets put out on Twitter that for the Titans he went like 12 of 15 yesterday with like two touchdowns? It makes me kind of, you know, pat myself on the back because I feel like I was the one guy around here that was like, this guy, we're going to let him go, and then he could win a starting job somewhere, and Dolphin fans be like, oh, maybe he wasn't the problem. But the craziest thing I saw last night, Matt Schaub is still in the league. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Hall of Fame game, I noticed that. I was like, wow. The Good for hell? him. Yeah. Good for him. I actually did like that part in Hard Knocks where they were talking about Matt Schaub. Oh, Matt about Schaub. how uh, no, Hard Knocks is still terrible, Chris. <laughs> but uh, where uh, the defensive linemen that were there during uh, during Matt Schaub's time, and they were like, holy crap, Matt Schaub is amazing. And then they put him in the game, and they're like, oh, my God, get him out. Get I him think out, that was James out. Jones talking to Antonio Brown. Oh, okay. So it wasn't defensive linemen at all. I think, right? Because it was James yeah. Jones talking about when he played for the Raiders. Yeah, yeah, he was there for the Raiders. And Matt they Schaub brought, they God. drafted Derek Carr, and Schaub was getting all the reps, and all the coaches were like, Schaub's got it. And all the players are looking at each other like, oh, I think Derek Carr's a lot better than him. Yeah. So, Josh Rosen, the book is still going to be out on him forever. And what the point that George makes is the accurate one. With this offensive line, it's going to be really difficult to uh, make any sort of uh, judgment or ruling as to what he could be this season. Yeah, you can't evaluate him under this circumstance. Now, let me ask you, Browns fan, because I feel like this is like a weird moment for you because they can be really good. Mm-hmm. What's like your I mean, are you tempering your expectations? Because I, I, you know, I don't want you fighting it right now. Yeah. Because entering before training camp, I was pretty rational. Yeah. I was like, I think we can win the division. I'm, although I'm not sure. I think playoffs is where it's at. Right. Uh, hopefully we get a home game. And if we do have a home game, I see a a second round exit maybe in the scene. There's just teams that I think are, that are better in the AFC than, than Cleveland. I still think Cleveland is very good. I think they have question marks on the offensive line. I think they can fix all of those question marks if they trade for Trent Williams. I think they have the best defensive line in football. I think that they have the best wide receiving core in football. I think Baker Mayfield's going to take yet another step forward because Hugh Jackson isn't around anymore. So I'm very, very excited about this team. Do you like Baker because basically you're a Hurricanes fan and you kind of wish he was like the Hurricanes quarterback because yeah. he's got that kind of swag? Yeah, the, and Joku, I think, posted that photo of Baker Mayfield wearing uh, the Sebastian coming out of the Smoke the Dime Live shirt and yeah. Baker throwing up the U. I'm like, God, he, he should have been there. Yeah, but Tate Martell is going to be that. Uh, no, Tate Martell's not going to be Baker Mayfield. Well, I think his personality, though, <laughs> yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah, if Tate Martell is good, yeah. watch out. Come on, give me some Hurricanes, Mike. Give you me want, some. You want I, some of it? Give it to me. You I know Billy hates this, but Tate, give me some Hurricanes. Tate Martell's not a, not a gifted thrower of the football. No, but he's a gamer. He's a gamer. He's absolutely a gamer, and I think he's pretty dynamic yeah. with his feet. And dude went undefeated. What was it, 43-0? and Won two mythical national championships. Yeah, he, he's, a, he's a high school football legend. Yeah. When he did play at Ohio State, he was impressive. It's really difficult to evaluate him in practice because he'll like some dude will be running a, a seam route, and he'll like throw the ball, and you're like, where the hell was he throwing? Dan Enos gets on him pretty hard. Yeah. That's the thing that I'm most excited about this team is they are getting quality coaching. I've spoken to some people that are hang- that hung around the Alabama program. I spoke to Marty Smith. I don't know why I was protecting this horse there. <laughs> and they were very confused. Oh, now I know why I protected I thought you were going to say you went Let to camp. Rewind. Yeah. Rewind. Alabama's very confused as to why Dan Enos went to a, a program like Miami. They can understand if he goes to the NFL. Right. They can understand if he even goes to Georgia right. for maybe a pay raise and maybe establish himself outside of Nick Saban. Everyone there is confused that Dan Enos came to Miami. Everyone. That's good. There's that legendary mythic story of Dan Enos not even telling Nick Saban. And Nick Saban goes to the meeting and asks, where's Dan? 
And then it goes to Dan Enos' office, and all there is is a pencil on the desk. I know for a fact that um, there seems to be a difference of opinion on how that story went down, but we can all assume Dan Enos is not an idiot. You don't do that to Nick Saban yeah. if you want to work in this town again. Yeah, I, I don't buy that for a second. But I'm glad that the Canes got somebody that Alabama coveted. That's important. I'm glad we won a bidding war. We beat out Alabama. We beat out Georgia yeah. for one of the highly regarded offensive minds out there, and he's... He's delivered on on the expectation. He's riding these quarterbacks really hard. So far, it's all even. Yeah, Mark Whipple used to ride them hard too, though. Remember hey, that? Hey, you know what? People, <laughs> no, Whipple wasn't the issue. Whipple, that offense with Whipple was fun. That it was. That, that offense, was Jacory's best year, dude. What a, Dude, the Whipple offense? <laughs> Sling that pill around everywhere. You kidding me? I think people in like the middle of the country listening to this now are going, what? I think Whipple's in the NFL, right? Is he? I think so. No way. He was doing some stuff with the Steelers. The Whipple effect? Like, yeah, yeah, Whipple. <laughs> don't, don't, don't knock the Whipple years. I wish people could see your reaction when I said Mark Whipple. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way about Mark Whipple that I am about Tim Couch. I'm like, stop calling him a bust. He got hurt. He didn't I make saw, a playoff. Did dude, he? I saw all the Tim Couch games, and yeah. people are telling me that Tim Couch was awful. I'm like, I saw all the games. No, he wasn't. Yeah, but t- didn't Kelly Holcomb start the playoff game? Yeah, but Kelly Holcomb was also really good at that okay. time. I'm and just, then they, hey, well, hey, hey, calm down. George, I saw all the games. Okay. They, and then they just got bad at the same exact time, and Tim Couch got a combination of hurt, and then the injury caused him to be bad. But <laughs> Tim Tim Couch wasn't a bus of a pick. Yeah. It wasn't, even though he only played for, what, for four years. At the number one overall. Okay, he was a bust, but he wasn't a bad player for his entire career. I'll take your word for it. Please do. Have you seen him now? <laughs> no. Zaddy. What? Zaddy. Really? Yeah. Yeah? Hot. Huh. So, once again, George Sedano, ESPN Los Angeles. How can people support what you're doing out there on the West Coast, George? Uh, you can subscribe to the radio show podcast. It's the Sedano Show. The Sedano Show. So yeah. go ahead and uh, support our friend, Jorge Sedano. We go way back. George... The Miami Heat confused a lot of people across the NBA, particularly Jimmy Butler confused a lot of people with his decision. Jimmy Butler still hasn't had his press conference. He still really hasn't spoken to the media. No one really knows what his motivations are outside of this culture really resonating with the kind of player Jimmy Butler is. And I don't know if you've seen Sixers Twitter, but they are pissed. I was just going to bring that up. They really are mad. Like They're like, oh, he went to go to retirement home. He said he wanted to win. <laughs> Look, the Heat have a history of winning. Like I, They may not win right away, but I mean, he's betting on the fact that they have that history and that they'll have it again. I, I've even seen Sixers fans point out that, oh, he's going there and yeah, Miami's an easy place to build a super. Yeah, Miami's an easy place to build a super team. Yeah. They, they've done it before. Mm-hmm. No state income tax. All that stuff matters. Right. Just got to get uh, Deion Waiter's contract off the books. All that being said. <laughs> I still don't understand Jimmy Butler's decision to come here. I would love for Jimmy Butler to speak for it so we can stop uh, hypothesizing. Well, I think Jimmy Butler believes, and this is just me guessing, okay? I think Jimmy Butler believes that he is a top 15 player in this league and that he's better than people think. Um, if you recall two seasons ago, the T-Wolves ended up as the eighth seed, but he got hurt towards the end of that season. And prior to his injury, they were the three seed in the West. Now, granted, he had Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, whatever. But he had Carl Anthony Towns and Jeff Teague. Nice player, but not a great player. I mean, those players were there after Jimmy Butler left, and you saw how much Jimmy Butler did for them. Correct. But Carl Anthony Towns is a legit star. Um, and he doesn't have that here. But in the East, you, you start to think to yourself, 
Okay, he probably feels like, yeah, I can get home court advantage in the Eastern Conference with me and these guys. Like, I'm good enough to do that. So once you once that happens, he figures anything can happen from there. Now, look, do I think they're as good as Philly? I have my questions about Philly. Can they shoot? I, I don't know. Like They can shoot. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they've got anybody that can shoot the ball. Josh, uh, Jay Rich, I guess. No, but he's not like he's a not, shooter. No, he's not a shooter. They they lost, Who are they going to go to at the end of games? That is a huge Could question. Josh mark. Richardson? No, it can't Good be. Good luck with that. Yeah, they've tried that. Tobias Harris is probably going to have to be that guy. Um, I, I don't like that. It's it's too hard. Why is it so difficult for Joel Embiid to be that guy? Why is it so difficult for a big man? It should be guy? him. It should be him because he actually is a good free throw shooter, and he can he can do a lot of different things on the floor. He's not just a guy you can dump it into the post. Like he can play from different points on the floor um, and initiate offense from there. And then you know Milwaukee. I think look, if Giannis is incredible, but he has holes in his games too right yeah, now. Shooting, uh, he can't shoot consistently. He doesn't have an in between game either. Yeah. Um, and that was very noticeable against Toronto. Like they allowed him in the mid range a couple of times, and he was just trying to like shot put stuff up there, yeah. and it wasn't happening. So I think that even though he's great and and he's probably going to continue to get better and and my guess is he's working on all that stuff right now. Like there's still a moment where you can find yourself in the Eastern Conference where you can convince yourself maybe we can have a shot uh of getting to the finals even though it's not I you know it's not likely, but you can convince yourself of that because the other teams are flawed too in the Eastern Conference. As we wrap things up here, one of the uh, topics of conversation here on the the Lauer has been Bam Adebayo. I really am high on Bam Adebayo, especially I'm, I'm getting really excited from what I've seen from him this offseason. Talking to people, it looks like his game has grown. He's a really surprisingly excellent ball handler. He's got a shot. I was making the argument that if this team stays as presently constituted, the guy who's playing Robin to Jimmy Butler's Batman is Bam Adebayo. Am I wrong with this uh, this prediction? No, I think that's what the Heat want, right? I think that's why they have really tried to kind of cultivate his game in a lot of ways. And they look at him as Giannis-esque in this sense, in the fact that I'm not comparing him directly to Giannis, but just that he's so raw when they got him that they felt like there was a lot of things that they can just kind of drag out of his game, right? And kind of teach him um, to do certain aspects uh, of a game of the game that big men normally can't do. So that that's kind of the idea, right? Like kind of extract stuff out of him that normally guys his size can't do, like Giannis, um, even though he's not necessarily anywhere near as good as Giannis. So that's kind of the idea. I do think that if if I'm Bam Adebayo, I, I don't think that I want all that, that the pressure, though, of being the number two guy, because I still feel like he's still too raw to consistently contribute as a number two guy. Like, I would caution against that, even though I do think that's the grand plan. You say he's raw, and you see that sometimes, but I've seen these moves. He's working on a pretty polished, at least with Team USA, those post moves look pretty polished. So what is the biggest thing he has to work on when it comes to his game? I would say it's initiating offense, right? That's not in the post. And I think that's kind of the next thing. Like, I think in you saw that at the end of last season that he had some moves he, down there. He would bring the ball up the floor a couple times. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, bringing the ball up the floor is different than, like, initiating, like, his own offense is what I was talking, what I was referring to. So I, I'm sorry if I wasn't clear about that. You're, you're talking off the dribble stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. I think that, to me, is the next step, right? Like, if you really want him to be Giannis-esque, um, if that's the, the plan that the Heat have, which I think it is. Yeah, I mean, Giannis 
doesn't really even have the off the dribble stuff. No, but he but he can go. Like, His off the dribble move is he'll two steps and he's at the rim. Yeah. Right, and, but that's that's what you want out of Bam. Like, you, look, he's never going to be Tim Hardaway. He's not going to cross you over. Right, he's not Steph Curry or Kyrie Irving. He's not going to ever have that kind of handle. But you don't need that when you're that size and that kind of athletic. So I think that's what they want. They want just kind of, you know, some kind of like hesitation dribble and then go, right? Like you go to the rim and use your strength and your force. Like that kind of stuff is what you want out of him and just kind of create this like combination of strength, power, and speed um, that becomes really difficult for a perimeter guy to guard and a big guy to guard as well because they can't guard him out there. Some local flavor from the Dan Lebetard show. I like it. And speaking of flavor, let me give you the rundown one more time. Weekdays here at 560 The Joe from 6 to 10 a.m. It's The Joe Rose Show. 10 to 1, Dan Lebetard. 1 to 3, Stephen A. Smith. 3 to 6, Huckman and Crowder. And from 6 to 7, the show you're listening to right now, the best of The Joe Show. Well, with it being a Friday, with it being hockey legend Brett Hull's 55th birthday, I figured I'd celebrate the best way I know how. Glory, 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 I think I got your number, glory. Yes, indeed, that is birthday boy hockey legend Brett Hull drunk singing at the St. Louis Blues' recent Stanley Cup championship celebration. Happy birthday, Brett Hull. Happy Friday, Brett Hull. Happy Friday, birthday, Brett Hull. Keep that man near a karaoke machine tonight because I want to pay more of those glory, glory, glorious clips of him singing. If you want a glorious download of this podcast or any of the podcasts from any of the shows that you hear on this station, all you have to do is go to our website, wqam.com and go to the apple store or download wherever you download your podcast for absolutely free also give us a follow on twitter at 560 wqam you can also follow me at dan day radio my name is not dan day radio it's dan day but you get the picture we're very active on social media and we always want to hear from you podcasts always very convenient Always very good. It is Friday, like I said, in Miami. It's a little bit rainy, so be a little bit careful. We're not stopping the sports talk, though. Up next, we've got ESPN Zone, Spain and Company. Going to keep you entertained. Hope you have a great weekend right here in Miami. We'll be back on Monday with our regular programming, like I said earlier. And I'll be back Monday night, beginning at 6 o'clock with the best of the Joe Show, recapping some of the best sound you hear here, 560 WQAM. Later, slug. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 